Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone. This next video is one of my favorite interviews I've ever done with Dr. Anthony Bean, the video game psychologist. This next video touches upon a bunch of topics that are really personal to me, either because it's something I went through, or something friends have went through, or just things I've been a part of, and I would wanted to try so hard to be mindful of Dr. Bean's time and not spend too much time on one subject, and unfortunately that ended up in me bouncing around from topic to topic like a crazy person, uh, and not finishing my train of thought before moving on to another, and very luckily for us that he is an excellent psychologist and he was able to follow my sporadic thoughts. So I'm very disappointed in myself because this is one of the most important ones I've done, I feel like. So uh, please listen with entertainment value in mind, and maybe if it allows you to take one step further into anything else that you've been wondering about, maybe that's a big help for you, maybe not. But either way, I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys do too. Please welcome Dr. Anthony Bean, PhD. Hey guys, I am here with Dr. Anthony Bean. How you doing, man? I'm doing okay. How about yourself? Pretty good. Um, if, uh, if you don't mind, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and uh, what you specialize in? And I'm sure it ties directly into the channel, but uh, you know, just kind of wanted to hear it directly from you rather than me try to give an incorrect introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm a doctor of clinical psychology. I'm also a researcher of uh, clinical psychology. Man, if I knew we had could be beer, I would have chose a different drink. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, I got those too. <laughs> I, love, I love those. Uh, but. They're great. Um, it, it, we, it's basically what I do is I, I work with therapy, um, and do clinical testing on video gamers and geeks. And we, we live in the state of Texas, but I also write books and articles on them. And I really kind of to try to undo the, the idea that we're all just stuck in people's basements and playing video games and have no social lives. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun. I like it. So, uh, to call you a video game psychologist or psychiatrist wouldn't be far off then, right? Uh, a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. So the difference is a psychologist does therapy and tests in real psychological testing versus a psychiatrist does only medication management. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so before we start, I do have kind of like a little personal thing. And feel free to, after I'm done, tell me that I was completely wrong and looking at life the wrong <laughs> way. But there has been something that's actually bothered me for a long time now. And I feel like now's a good time to mention it because it sets the precedence for what we talk about. But generally speaking, your average person, if you had said like, hey, Bob can't make it today because, you know, his back's messed up and, you know, he might have to go in for surgery and be out a few weeks, but, you know, he'll be okay. Most people, you know, wouldn't even blink at that. Um, Some might offer advice, oh, I get the same thing. And heck, even an employer might be like, well, looks like I got to pay for two free weeks vacation for Bob to recover and, you know, buy him a standing desk. But most people don't react badly to that at all. Um, mm-hmm. But if you had said, hey, Bob can't make it tonight, uh, he's getting a little grumpy, you know, his ADHD is acting up, and you know, I think maybe he actually might be a little bit bipolar. He might have to go in for a little while to look at that. <laughs> people are like, uh, 
uh, and you know, you're definitely not going to get that job, <laughs> and yeah. people don't know how to react. And it bugs the shit out of me because so many of these things are the same. Now, they're obviously mm-hmm. literally wildly different. But the, the concept is, you know, we're all human beings. We're all just sacks of meat. And, you know, sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes you just need to learn how to live differently. So if we cross any lines in talking about mental illness or anything like that, I, I genuinely look at those things as if you have a cold. Most cases, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, any thoughts on that? Do you disagree? Is that like a good... I- I, I think that what you what you talk about is the stigma that a lot of people have um, towards mental illness, and especially the the phrase bipolar. Um, I, to be honest, out of my six years of doing this now, I think I've met one or two people that are truly bipolar. It is much less rare um, than what people like to think it is. Uh, it's it's if you go see a psychiatrist or someone who a medical doctor, it's your high chance of actually getting labeled as either ADHD or bipolar. Mm-hmm. Those are the pretty much 80% of the people coming out of that mm-hmm. are labeled that. And it's unfortunate because uh, when they come into our clinic um, and we work with them, we usually re- redo the entire uh, diagnosis because it's, it's incorrect. I mean, so we have two different types of bipolar. Um, most people ha- can fit the criteria into what we consider bipolar um, one, I believe, and that is basically when you have a manic episode and you have a depressive episode. And so the the mania can be anything, whereas you spend a lot of money all of a sudden or um, you're just really happy about uh, something going positive in your in your life. And it could be and you're just doing something uh, a lot, such as cleaning the house, you know, just getting ready for a party or something like that. That is kind of what uh, what mania can look like. It can also look like irritability, but so can depression, so can anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things that are out there, and most people aren't willing, outside of the uh, being a doctor in psychology, willing to kind of get into the, the rough of this and really hash out what is kind of going on here. So I would say your idea of the stigma is, is pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, and I, you know, I certainly like the way you just approached that. You know, you just you spoke about it like it was everything else, not not as if it's you know when you when you said those words, there wasn't a looming cloud of awful. So, uh, well, no, that's because I have the door shut and it can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, now that we have established that you know we're approaching all this stuff respectfully, I got to ask, why are people on the internet so fucking crazy? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the internet does allow us to kind of have a medium between uh, us and someone else. So when uh, you have a YouTuber or you have a Twitcher going in and uh, doing something, and, and oh, God, I, I just hate like all those little bang bang things that they do on their Twitch because it's like, look, this person gave me. I mean, to me, that's super annoying. It takes away and like you. I want to play, watch you play the game, mm-hmm. not hear these stupid sounds. But it, it leads to there's a, a versatility of us being a little bit more free to express what do we think, what do we want to do. Um, and there's not uh, our not necessarily our moral compass, but more of our, our barriers to, to do what we may consider right or wrong are a little bit lessened because I don't know who's watching me. I don't really care because I'm not going to really interact with them too much on this on this planet. They're just watching me over there and. They don't like me. Oh, well, well, you know, it's just it brings up a lot more, a lot more other stuff, too. <laughs> Way more than what we have time for, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's, you know, I've always found it interesting. I've been able to meet a lot of people over the years from, you know, whether you call them famous Hollywood people down to, you know, the, the somebody like me with a low YouTube following. And 
you know, some people very clearly and openly are putting on an act on their channel, and then mm -hmm. they're, you know, real people, if you want to call them that, when you meet them. And, that, I mean, that's awesome. That's literally what's being an actor or an actress is like. Um, exactly. There are other people that are identical in person as they are in their channel. They just, their channel is just who they are, just an extension of that. And, um, and then there, the ones that always fascinated me were people who were completely different. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough now to remember, like, the original AOL Instant Messenger and the first Just time got it, taken down. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's like a whole piece of history gone. And I don't mm -hmm. think anybody really used it since the 90s. But, um, you know, the first time I saw, I remember, I mean, I remember this one distinctly. Uh, I just got just inundated with, you know, I'm going to kick your ass, in, you know, instant messages. And this is, like, 1994. So, I'm like, geez, you know, I... I've been in a bunch of fights before. I wonder if this is somebody I have to worry about. And two days later, I'm somewhere, and the guy I know points to this, you know, very small kid who wouldn't make eye contact with anybody and said, oh, that's his, and named his screen name. And I just looked, I was like, dude, why would you say any of those things, man? You've always been so nice to me. Mm -hmm. And he just got terrified and ran out the door. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and I get that. I get that stigma. I get that, like, um, you want to be something you're not. You want to pretend to, especially when you're a kid, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I've... I've made every mistake there is, so it's like, well, I mean, reasonably, but, like, that that part of it did always fascinate me. And uh, the ones, I, I've met the other side that would say that to somebody's face, but that's, uh, that's a totally different issue altogether. There are some people <laughs> that are just angry, and whatever the diagnosis is, the, the literal result is angry. But uh, the other side of things, the people that... Um, I don't want to say hide behind their online persona, but maybe mm -hmm. just use that to to release emotions and, and do things that they wouldn't do in real life. I've seen, I've seen so much positive outcomes of that because mm -hmm. people have no outlet before. But have, what have your experiences been for people that don't know how to make the transition? You know, people that don't know how to practice being what they want to be online and then transition to actually being who they're trying to be in real life. Well, so it, the first thing we have to do is uh, is think of it the online um, aspect. It, it's, a, it's a shell. It's not who we are. It's a what we can call a persona, uh, a person, uh, a person's uh, outer essence. And so, think of it as a, like an eggshell in a sense. On the egg, on the shell, on the outside, you can turn it around, you can move it around, but you only see what's on the outside. You know, you don't know what's on the end. Mm -hmm. And so, with that. Uh, Inside, the online presence only acts as an outer shell. Therefore, we only see a shell of what the person is. We don't know what their true essence is. We don't know what their personality is like. We don't know what they do uh, past what facts they put on their online presence. Therefore, they can kind of act however they would like. But we have to be aware that this may not be who this person is. This may not be the right person. This may be, they may be acting a certain way for a whole different uh, scenario or an idea. Mm -hmm. um, it really kind of depends on on it, but some people just don't will see uh, bullying or something like that online and be like, "Oh my god, the world's going to end." And it's like it's an online presence. I, we understand that there's some sort of um, need to to uh, like react to certain things, but honestly, most of the bullying online uh, can be really quite dumbed down to someone who feels affected for it. Doesn't have the resilience, hasn't learned how to be the uh, resilient in that capacity to to make sure that they can handle this type of criticism and that's kind of like when a lot of geeks and gamers come is they have a what we call a low ego strength and and in that capacity they they have difficulties in this area and we have to make them see like just because they're online doesn't mean that 
that's who they are. Just because they say one thing, anyone can say anything is true. Anything can say anyone is 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 false. Um, but it really comes down to what do you believe to be true? Interesting. So um, for the people that have to deal with the other side, I'm I'm lucky enough that I'm I'm old enough. I'm 36 that uh, I I had to suffer through real life before internet life. Mm-hmm. So I, I it's I, terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> I I can't tell you how happy I am that I I had to deal with physical bullies and and I acted like an asshole to somebody's face and had to see what that did to that person mm-hmm. and the the big person that beat the crap out of me because I deserved it or the smaller person that I made feel bad because of what I said like I had to learn from that and experience it and it I mean it it, it as long as you're not you know a bad person it makes you a better person to see those mm-hmm. things and learn from it so when I've I've I think gotten angry on the internet like uh, handfuls of times not not way less and I always feel dumb it's like, what am I going to do? Get angry at this screen with some words typed on it? Um, so I've always just treated it like kill them with kindness in most places because I've, I've found, too, that uh, especially I was lucky enough to work with teams of people all over the world with one mm-hmm. of the IT jobs. And there was one guy that I just could not stand. Every email was nasty. Everything had some condescendence to it. And then I finally got out and met him in person, and I loved the dude. And it's just, if you, the same words that he wrote, if you heard them coming out of his mouth, it's mm-hmm. a completely different interpretation. So I've just, I've had to train myself. And sometimes it was a, an, a conscious effort and a struggle to just try to treat everything like that. What if it was that dude? You know, what if this is it? And I've met so many good people that way, and I've also not gotten through to many other people that way. And is there... Is kill them with kindness as dumb as that a saying as that is? Is that really like the best approach? Is there a better approach for people just trying to make conversations on the internet, or is there? It, so with the with the, you brought up a, a good point with uh, just because the, he says that those words under there, you don't know the tone that he's using it under. So I can mm-hmm. sound like a complete asshole through an email or through a text message, but my and that's honestly because I I, I run a couple businesses over here, um, and some of my things are just really like. Hey, you need to get this done. Hey, this has to be done this way. But it comes off like, hey, why isn't this done? Why isn't this going through? It's you got to take the context. And that's what a lot of people don't do in in society or who's using uh, stuff over the uh, the Internet. Um, and that's because reading an email, you don't get the tone of it unless, you know, there's usually unless someone starts swearing or using some really vulgar language over an email, then you kind of get the idea of a tone. Um, but it's also one of the reasons why some people, even in high school, when they see a text from someone they may may like, and it's like, "Hey, how are you doing?" They're like, "Well, oh my God, you know, this person's talking to me. This is great. <laughs> what's what's going on?" But they read too far into it. It's it's just a text message. You don't know what tone, what connotation it's been used. You don't know if they used punctuation correctly. I mean, there's a town up in Maine that um, that's called. Milo, a friendly town. However, there's no comma after Milo, so it really reads as Milo, a friendly town. (laughs) But the punctuation's uh, needed, and to give an idea, that that's uh, an important thing to to remember. That just because someone reads it that way or writes it that way doesn't mean that that's how they meant it, and that's where a lot of people uh, jump to conclusions instead of asking the question, "How how did you mean that? What do you mean by this?" I'm getting a, a sense of this is the way that you meant that, but you may not have seen it that way or meant it that way. Can you elaborate? 
So just taking the time just to ask what they meant is probably a great step in many of these cases. Now, I'm Absolutely. so guilty of not doing that because sometimes you're running around, I'm like on an escalator running into a subway or responding to an email that probably comes out sounding like, wow, Bob's in a really bad mood today when I'm really just trying to hit send before I get into the subway car. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, that's, that's great advice. Just take the time to ask. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's super easy. I mean, I'll, I'll let you know. Like, I got into a little bit of a, a predicament this week um, because I tried to 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 process something um, with another person, and it blew back up in my face. But that's because I didn't read the scenario um, or the person I was doing it with, and so I didn't read into that. Therefore, I should have. Hmm. But that that's kind of one of the the things that we we always want to try to do is know your audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's much harder when you cross culture and language barriers, though. Yes. Um, and that's definitely something I've lived both on the Internet and in person traveling around. And it's always easier in person. Mm-hmm. No, you know what? That's wrong. It's more often easier <laughs> in person. But there have been times where I was just like kind of just standing there. And my body language to them was disrespectful. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. perk the fuck up. We're talking here. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. my thought is, I just got off a 22-hour flight. You're lucky I'm even awake. Just give me a break Absolutely. here. So, but if they had taken the time to ask, or if I had taken the time to say, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I just got off a 22-hour flight. And yeah, all right. I mean, that does apply in, in real life, too, I guess. But mm-hmm. it is kind of hard sometimes. Um, uh, it's, it's very hard a lot of the times. <laughs> A lot of times. Um, what about, and this is probably, although it's a harder issue to deal with when it's happening, it's probably an easier thing to talk about, is what about the people that you just can't get through to ever? They like it. The the people, I met somebody a few years ago that, like, I actually walked out of the bar that I was in after they told me this, but they said that, uh, oh, you're into video games. My son is too. He does, like, Twitch stuff. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. What does, what does he do? Well, he likes to make people rage quit. <laughs> what? Well, he'll go on to Twitch channels and just say all these horrible things until they get pissed off and, and freak out and quit. I'm like, you're training your kid to be a bully without mm-hmm. having to deal with the consequences of his actions. And he's like, no, no, no. And this is a big dude. I'm like, yeah. how would you feel? And the guy's like, oh, it's whatever. It's just the internet. I was like, I got to go, man. I can't, I cannot be around. I can't, I can't be around you. So the people like that. Um, you know, that, unfortunately, that kid's probably growing up with a different set of morals than your average person might. Right. But how do you deal with those people? Do you literally just ignore them and pretend they're not there? Because that's the only thing I've ever been able to do that uh, that made any any um, that produced any results at all. I guess. I I tend to when those things happen is not to engage them on certain topics. So I have we have close friends over here. Um, we're probably considered a little bit more. Well, where we're in Texas, we're definitely more liberal uh, than anyone else uh, around here, and we're psychologists. Uh, so uh, we have a couple friends who are definitely more conservative, um, but there are topics that we respectfully do not go into, and that is something of just kind of a, a mutual, a mutual respect out of each other. Um, and these friends are closer, and we have more of a larger friendship for many years with them and it works for us Uh, but there are some people who just want to agitate and those ones just uh what they're looking for is a reaction and the the big thing is not not to give them it Mm. in a sense so ignoring what they say ignoring what they do that's those are all really good important things so basically don't don't poke the bear and then uh and then just ignore it they, here's the thing is that they're not going to change their opinion until it happens to them. 
that's that's pretty much it. Um, look at to give a prime example. Look at uh, Ronald Reagan's wife, diehard conservative, right? Doesn't want to give out anything. Doesn't want to do anything. Didn't start donating stuff to Alzheimer's until Ronald Reagan got Alzheimer's. Didn't believe that anything should be given out uh, to people. All everyone, whatever they earn or whatever they have, should be theirs. Didn't start changing her attitude until things started happening to her. Mm. That's that's a big big sign. The saying like until it happens to you, you don't give a rat's fuck about it, and that's an issue. Yeah, definitely. And that's how a lot of people work. So um, this is one that's probably uh, uh, controversial, for lack of a better word. But um, I've been lucky enough to work my whole life with people that were so much smarter than I'll ever dream to be. (laughs) And one of the things that many of them have in common is uh, their level of focus, um, their ability to just get into things um, comes with side effects. You know, very often it's they're really great at being a nerd, but not so great at being social. Um, Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's well, I'm very clearly not a psychiatrist or a psychologist. There's very clear signs that there is some illness there. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, just to repeat myself boringly, I do honestly think of these things as the guy that gets colds all the time or the guy with back problems. But yeah. I do often see similar characteristics with people. And I just, uh, it's sometimes hard to deal with. And I made, um, you know, I made an analogy on a podcast a couple of months ago because somebody was selling things that were wrong. Uh, that could break your video game console. And they, it was, I mean, it's pretty clear that there were some issues behind this. So the way I looked at it, which might be wrong, is that if you see like a one legged man carrying his uh, groceries down the street, you'd have to be a psycho to knock that guy over. Most people just mm-hmm. leave him alone, let him on his day. But if that guy hits me over the head and tries to steal my wallet, that's just a thief. That's not a disabled person. Right. So that's my, uh, my personal line. And I, I just I spoke up. I said I gotta I gotta tell people this guy is ripping people off. He's taking their money, and maybe it's not his fault. Maybe it's something chemical. But don't don't buy from this person. There's something wrong with literally his the products that he sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's definitely something coming going on with that because of the way they act. And I may have been wrong to do so. Um, but I uh, is there a proper way? to deal with it with things when you suspect that there might be issues because there's a few times on certain forums that there are definitely people that have that are sick in certain ways that people love antagonizing them and I hate it I hate it with a passion I wish they'd delete the threads and I wish I wish they would ignore the people because it's really mean to see how some people treat these guys mm-hmm so what is, is there proper procedures? Is did anything I just say was any of that really wrong that needs to be corrected? Like, would you mind? I, I mean, feedback? I mean, what what you're kind of talking about is putting people into 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 boxes in a sense. Is you you know what they're capable of, you know what how to treat them, but as soon as they act a certain way, then there's a whole other issue um, that comes to parent, and so. It's, it changes how you deal with it. Uh, to think of it as like this, we all have the capacity to be psychopaths and to become serial killers and, and stalk out and just do that. But our environment is what um, uh, makes it, holds us back from that. If someone was to go and attempt harm on my child, I would literally kill them. That's that's just it. That's how it is. That's an environmental um, source of something. But until that happens, or if that would happen, then that's kind of uh, you'll you'll get me in this pl- place where I'm not going to do anything. But if it did happen, I would be labeled uh, a killer and probably thrown in jail. But I'd be like, hey, my son's safe. I'm good with this. Let's make it happen. So it really depends on what box the the person's playing around in. 
and being able to kind of understand it. And the, the people that um, the people that have to deal with it uh, in their experiences are, are a big effect on this because mm-hmm. I've met a lot of shy people, and I met a lot of introverted people that when you first meet them, they're very closed off. One of my very good friends, the first time I met her, she said something like, you know, here's my name, and this is what I do, and if you don't have a problem with that, you could leave. And I just started laughing. I'm like, I'm Bob, and I like drinking beer. Like, you want to... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I've just, I, for whatever reason, I've always... Um, I've never had a problem with that at all. I get mm-hmm. it. It's it's hard to open yourself up to new people. It's hard to go on camera and talk sometimes. And mm-hmm. I, it's very easy for me just to be like, "Hey, dude, you know, male or female, like, hey, dude, you know, let's try it. If you don't like it, whatever. Like, let's you know, come out with me. Let's do this." And but there are certain other uh, and you know that it, it's not always good to put people in boxes. Sometimes it is. That's a box of people that you could throw me into, and I'm always going to have a good time. Um, but there are certain things that I don't deal with well, and it's, uh, I don't know, I'm sure there's a name for it, I'm not, you know, I'm not trained to, to label it, but, you know, the, the, the type of person that's always convincing themselves what they say is true. So I don't know if it would fall under the guise of pathological lying. But we call it, it cognitive dissonance. Oh, right, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's very hard for me to deal with. And this is a personal thing, it's my issue, I could be better with it, but mm-hmm. it's just listening to somebody tell you like you know uh, i'm drinking a stella and then two minutes later go i'm drinking a budweiser no dude you just held up the stella <laughs> like, uh-huh. but in their mind they totally were just drinking a budweiser there's nothing you could ever do to convince them anything else and that i, I see i don't see that a lot but when that happens it's uh it gets blown up very big throughout the, the right. gaming community at least uh, is there a, a, is there a better procedure to deal with that? Because calling them out on it never works. I try to avoid hey, it with a passion, but it, it, the reason it doesn't work is because once they're in this, the, we have a, a. I am blanking on the on the name, but uh, the person who came over with her her name is Sharif, um, and it is the oh, laws of acceptance. And so basically, there's three different laws of acceptance. There is the the latitudes of acceptance of, uh, and basically it has, uh, here's your latitude of acceptance. Anything that falls in here, you're going to accept. Here's your next one is your middle one things in here. You may or may not accept. And then here's the things over here, which you will never accept <laughs> at all. And so when you're, when you're dealing with someone and they're over here on this side, they're not, doesn't matter what you say, what you do, they're never going to accept it. But if they're here in this middle, then there's a possibility of it happening. And so it really depends on on the person, but I it it, it tends to if someone comes up and does that, I'm like all right, and just drop it because it's you're not going to get anywhere. They're going to firm their defenses up when someone's attacked. Their defenses come out, and they're not always the right ones. You know, it's the challenging thing is in person. That's much easier to deal with because you just remove yourself from it. But when it's written, a lot of the times that I've run into this, the people are absolutely brilliant at, at presenting it in an email. They, they can convince anybody that's not aware of the situation that they're true. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because when something's posted in a place, especially on forums, you know, I've seen a few times. Luckily, I don't think I was involved in most of them, but uh, I, I've seen somebody do something, lie about it, and they were way better at writing and presenting their issue than the person that didn't do anything wrong. So everybody believed the liar. And mm-hmm. then that caused a big uproar. And it, whenever anything's in print, you know, whatever the buzzword is these days, fake news, whatever you want to call it. But, like, whenever something's in print, it's so much easier to believe. 
And, uh, right. It's in person too. Which was that the um, that Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Say something three times, people believe you. I'm a pilot. Mm-hmm. I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. Hey, he's a pilot. Like it's, <laughs> it's way easier online. You write something, you present it well, and people will just believe it. So that's certainly something that uh, I've been lucky enough to not have it happen to me a few times. But I've been a part of groups of people that worked on projects where. Uh, the lie is what was taken as truth. And while it didn't hurt anybody, you know, no one lost their jobs, no one was injured, it still, it, it always bugged me, which is my own personal ego issue, mm-hmm. but it all, it, it bugged me to see it happen. So I guess uh, there's no point in arguing at all because you're never going to convince somebody of somebody that, something that they already believe themselves, right? Yeah, no, if, they, if they're in the that belief stage of that latitude of unacceptance, then they're, they're never going to get there, again, unless it happens to them. Versus if you, if the roles were, were reversed and they may try to say it, uh, that exactly what you're explaining to, to uh, their boss or something like that, then they may know how you feel and they're like, well, no, I'm not going to do that again because now I know, I know what that experience is. Mm. But generally... I, I've not seen people when once their their defenses are up, you have to try to wiggle around them and try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I did reach out to one one person that I saw this happen to, and I just I offered to have him come on the podcast and tell his story. And that alone probably was a mistake because if he was really charismatic, you know, he would have won no matter one no matter what came out. And he just completely backed away and said no. And I think that's a good sign because that kind of means maybe he realizes Mm -hmm. uh, he was lying but i just did that particular situation was also one where a lot of people uh harped on him and i felt bad because he kept he just wouldn't back down but you know it's it was very much like watching somebody get bullied and i've been i was a little asshole so when i was a kid so i've been (laughs) a couple of times the kid who got bullied and totally deserved it 100 percent. i was running my mouth Shouldn't have said anything wrong. Wanted attention. Got smacked in the face. So, like, I, I'm able to uh, to definitely say that there are times where that's fine. But uh, I don't know. A couple times I've seen it go too far online, and I felt really bad. But I just, uh, you know, for people that administer forums that see the, very blatantly see these things happen, not a post or two, like threads mm-hmm. of this, is it best to just lock those threads and leave them? Is it best to delete it, ignore it, pretend it's not happening? Because the bottom line is this stuff stays in print forever. So, Right, but you're, what you're talking about is uh, moderation in mm-hmm. a sense. And so the moderators should be – should can do whatever they need to do, whereas lock the thread or ban that person from, from talking on that thread. Um, I give you – I've almost been banned from World of Warcraft threads uh, because I was uh, trying to get participants and I had – uh, permission from the head uh, person on on the, of the moderators, and uh, there was this one moderator. It happened on um, uh, Reddit as well. That he was a, that both of them, the two two separate uh, moderators, but they just didn't like what I was doing, and so they would just ban me, and I'd have to then appeal it, and then they would come out and ban me again, and the, they I would be part of an email chain saying, "Hey, stop doing this. They have our permission." ban again and it's just like holy crap this person just doesn't doesn't understand that there's there's permission and then and the same thing similar thing happened on reddit it's the person's name was like ice or something like that i don't know it was something stupid he he just didn't like and i say he because he addressed himself as a he um just didn't like what i was doing so any forum that he was a part of even if he wasn't the head moderator would just go and accent axe the post really quick and they're just like you're just being a douchebag <laughs> there's no reason yeah. for it 
But hey, if that's what you want to do, that's that's fine. That's that's on your conscience, man. I I don't really care. Yeah, and there's you know there's very clearly places you don't you don't need to spend more than a minute on certain forums to see which are the places where uh, they love and thrive the hatred and the the bullshit and all the talking. Mm-hmm. And you know, as much as I don't like to see those things, I'm I'm kind of maybe selfishly happy that places like that exist, so that all the people can go there and do it and leave the rest of us alone in other places. Mm-hmm. But uh, moderation was one thing. Like I to skip to the end of an incredibly boring story. I almost ended up uh, opening a forum of my own a few months ago, and the thing that I wanted to make sure was that myself and a few people that I trust as uh, good mediators would always be the people that were in charge of that to keep this stuff in because I wanted very it was very important to me that a beginner could come in and ask a question as dumb a question as possible like what's a TV anything and people would take it seriously and then give them a chance before saying alright this guy's trolling or whatever else Mm -hmm. because that was really important and I just um, I was I was afraid not afraid. I guess I really wanted to take the steps to make sure I handled all of these things to the best of my ability. I I fuck up all the time, but I just try to do my best. So things like you know what do what should a moderator do if you see somebody like that? You know, is it uh, like certain steps and things to take? Is it really just um, you know lock the thread and warn the person like, look, you might be wrong, you might be right, but you know you can't. You, we're taking up too much time and this is turning into bullying so let's let mm-hmm. this go like is that really the best way to handle it in most cases and then that's that's the way that i've seen that it, it you you've tried to make an informal or a formal in that case um approach to the situation and once it's been formalized and if someone still just keeps on doing it then they're just having a blatant disregard for for the rules and for for what the the nature of what the form stands for and therefore ban hammer should come out um so that I'm really glad you worded it that way because I never thought of it like that. So that that to my one-legged man analogy that now has separated somebody. So whether they mm-hmm. have an illness or not, whether it's their fault or not, if you've laid it out in a way where it's like, look, I, whatever this is right here, I don't want to get involved. Maybe you're right, but like we can't have this here. So don't have these arguments again. You've you've very clearly laid out the rules of like take take this argument elsewhere or forget about it and don't do this again and we'll deal with it a different way and then if they break that rule that you've set that has nothing to do with who they are what their problem might or might not be it's just mm-hmm. here's what i set i'm in charge broke it goodbye so right. that, that is uh yeah all right thank you for wording it that way that's a yeah, great our actions ha- actions have consequences that's that's the most important thing to to realize is that every action we do has an equal and opposite reaction. Therefore, if we choose to go against um, a rule or something like that, we're making an active choice most of the time. Right. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, that, that is the, the thing we just spoke about before about the consequences of your actions in person being online. You know, I know a, a Twitch streamer who is gigantic. His arms are the size of my thighs. He is a very large, <laughs> very strong... When I stand next to him, I look like a tiny person. Um, and he never he never feels the need. You know, venting and, and shit-talking the same way you would in any sport, it's a completely different thing, but he never feels the need to bully people because he doesn't need that. <laughs> he just hey, he well, walks in a room and he already well, has his status set. So When you have an intimidating presence, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not too, too difficult to do that. Yeah, it's funny too. Always smiling, always happy. Talks to everybody. Just ni- nice dude because he doesn't need that. He doesn't need to feel <laughs> like he's powerful because he just is. Just by right. waking up in the morning. So, yeah, it's uh, the consequences are the thing, and that's why some of those uh, some of those places and Reddit 
uh, I don't feel bad calling it out because it's so big and there's so many different subfolders right. of Reddit and everything. Oh, but, it's it's nasty on some days. Yeah, and it's just it's uh you know if it's like a 13 year old kid doing this, learning how to be a person, it's annoying, but I completely get it because we've all been through some of it. But when there are people, I mean, there are 40 year old adults acting exactly mm-hmm. like that, and it's mind blowing to me sometimes. Yeah, right. it's uh. It's amazing uh, what uh, just getting an online presence uh, can do to the person. Um, so, so to switch gears a little bit, um, some of the things that I think is a focus of your practice, um, a couple of my Twitch streamer friends really go out of their way to make um, fitness and health mm-hmm. a big part of their routine. And they, they actually consider it part of, you know, part of like their daily work hour because they know sitting in a chair for you know eight hours straight has its health consequences. <clears throat> what um, what are things that you found that uh, that could help people who who like to spend lots of time on the internet? Because you know, I did grow up in a, a time where there's nothing wrong with, you know, you want to go out and play sports all day, you want to sit on your computer and play World of Warcraft all day. It's the same thing, as long as you're healthy about it. Um, mm-hmm. So what are what are like the first steps to making sure that you're not you don't have an issue and the, uh, what are signs of addiction for for gaming related because we all know the signs of addiction for alcohol if i i choose to drink this i don't have to i'm mm-hmm. not waking up twitching without a beer it's pretty easy when you're talking about <laughs> alcohol these days easy to mm-hmm. diagnose not easy to deal with but what are the signs and what are things to to go over for people who are spending a lot of time gaming and may or may not be healthy about it so one of the big things of what we are seeing um, is that um, the big ICD-11 of what's coming out is coming out with uh, the idea that there is a gaming disorder. Um, there are uh, quite a few of us clinicians, and I would say more researchers. I'm one of the few clinicians that I'm aware of that actually deals with this um, and is aware of all of the, the research and everything that comes out. Um that we don't believe what they are purporting is actually accurate. Um, that their ideas of gaming disorder are not taking certain research into consideration that it needs to. Um, it doesn't take, it can't uh, differentiate between what is highly engaged and what is addiction. And the idea of addiction is, is what we call a, a top down approach instead of a bottom up. So normally when we create a new diagnosis, we, we have an ethnographic approach. We, view the the population we look at them we understand what what's going on we didn't do that in this case um and i have to say we because unfortunately i'm a part of them as much as i don't like to to say it. and so i we did everything we could throwing papers at them showing that they're wrong but they didn't take any of it we even have the the world health organization and emails stating that they um felt pressure from a societal point of view and from countries to include this even though they understand there is there's not enough research on it, which is concerning. So what they ended up doing was they took basically all the substance abuse, uh, abuse criteria and they just switched out video games with it. So we're still up here. We have a substance abuse thing and now we have video game addiction, but we don't have anything underneath. It's like we just looked at the top of the iceberg and we're like, let's, let's, let's use flat earthers for a reason. Um, flat earthers. They look at the world like, look, it's just a circle. There's not a sphere. It's flat. Look at that, right? Okay, so that's one way of looking at it. But if you continue to travel around, you will notice it is an actual sphere. 
and not just something where it's going to end and then boom, there's nothing underneath it and we're just on a spinning disc from Twilight Zone. Um, <laughs> it's, it all depends on, on what how you look at it and what, the, unfortunately, the World Health Organization try, uh, has done on this one is they're looking at it from the top. They're not looking at it from understanding anything. Even the researchers on there, they I can probably pull up three or four places where they've been interviewed and they're saying that this diagnosis um, confirms my research. That's not how this is supposed to happen. The research is supposed to confirm the diagnosis. So basically, they do all this research and they're saying, look, I did all this and it's all correlational. Um, and that means it means something. However, that's not the case. Um, correlation does not mean causation. Um, and even these researchers have that think that there is maybe something here um, are very well aware that they don't know it all and it's not all there in a sense that they, they haven't done it. So we, we've unfortunately created a diagnosis that's going to basically cause a lot of problems and a lot of misdiagnosis. So you just really struck a nerve with me here, um, and I got to ask a couple of questions. So where where does the World Health Organization, like, uh, who are that? Who are they as people, and how can they come to these conclusions? So the the World Health Organization is a, a big um, company, big company in a sense. Um, they're stationed in every country. Um, they're kind of like our CDC in a sense, except they, they monitor the research for medical terms and stuff like that. And they come out and they evolve and, and, uh, deal with things as they become more prevalent, uh, such as diseases and difficult, um, health, uh, problems such as lumbar support and stuff like that. Um, and so they, they're the ones who kind of create the diagnosis and create the, ability for clinicians and physicians to get reimbursed for these things saying like this is an actual problem um and so that, that's basically who they are now the panel that created this diagnosis was made up of 16 to 24 i don't remember which one um researchers now i went and i literally researched all of them um and i went and found their pages i found their cvs not one of them has any clinic clinical um, ability at the aspect none of them ha- is a clinician now there's a very vast difference between what we call a clinician which is what i am and a researcher which is someone who doesn't work with people so i am a, a foremost a clinician but i'm also a researcher so i'm right here in the middle however i'm i'm what we would call a, a rarity because you either go one or the other because it's very stupid hard to do both. It is just insane how much work you have to do because you have to stay relevant. You have to do stuff. You have to be at a teaching facility. You have to make sure that you're publishing a couple papers a year. I mean, my book comes out in June um, on this. And so it's it's a very interesting and difficult thing to, to straddle. Now, the people who don't do it, the clinicians, they're being told like, hey, this is a gaming disorder. And um, actually, there's quite a few of us over here on this side are saying we kind of disagree with this. We don't believe that it is an actual diagnosis that we don't we see that there there can be a problem, but we don't believe that it's as prevalent as what you have. And the researchers over here were like, no, you need to listen to us. We're the ones who are doing the research and we're the ones who have the upper hand here because we're the ones who dictate how this goes and we're like eh, that's not really how this was supposed to work but we can't really do anything because we don't always understand the research that's where the middle people need to come in we need more clinicians that are researchers as well 
So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make this super short because I could probably talk for hours about just this topic alone, from anything from facts down to crazy conspiracy theories. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think the one thing that people tend to forget is that doctors are human beings, just like mm-hmm. other human beings. Um, so right there alone, it's very easy to have every human fault on the planet. And I think also a good metaphor would be uh, my mother is a teacher, and the administration um, is usually made up of uh, ex-teachers that have moved over to that plus mm-hmm. people that were always just administration right and it's got to be a combination of both because just administrators don't know how actual uh you know classrooms work with kids in them uh, they don't you know it's great to theorize mm-hmm. and at the same thing somebody that spent their whole life being a teacher um is an expert at the room that they're in uh but not so much looking at it in the top down as a group of rooms so you're getting everybody together and finding a middle place, which is always a struggle and everything else. But the other side of that is, of course, politics. And uh, whether you're literally talking about politics or you're just talking about um, you know, the, the idea of that between humans. And uh, that also drove me nuts. And a good one is the Senator Lieberman from the 90s, from the you mm-hmm. know, violent video games. And the amazing book by Blake Harris, The Console Wars, talks about a little bit about when that whole court thing was happening, Lieberman was just, he was the guy. He was, he wanted no more violent video games. He was going to stand up for the goodness of America. And after the trial, he went and congratulated them on what a great fight they did. And you guys did well. And, you know, it's all, it was all just a career move. It had nothing to do with actually making people safe. And that's, we're all humans. So you could have a thousand people that are just great and a couple of them might stray off, and you never, you know, it just ruins everything. And it drives me nuts because the, the medical field is no more or less flawed, but because it affects humans directly, affects health, that's where people mm-hmm. tend to, to jump on it. And I've been, I've personally, I injured my wrist at work, um, and because it was at work, everybody thought I was lying to sue my company. I didn't sue anybody, I just wanted my wrist to work again. You know, my, my friend had uh, pancreatic cancer, and the first doctor he said told him because he drank more than two drinks a week, that it's definitely alcoholism, and he did this to himself. Found another doctor that uh, was like, that is bullshit. All you need to do is take two tests. You have cancer. <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to see. Um, and it's really hard for people that try to make a difference to fight the good fight. And it's discouraging, too, because you could just mm-hmm. claw your way up. And just the right person's right there to step on your hands when you get there. So keep keep fighting for this because it's uh, you know you don't want... It's easier now with the, the, the ability to spread information quicker. Right. Uh, there were so many people in the 90s that were just, you know, to go back to the video game example, that really thought video games were going to turn kids into psychopaths. And when my mother, who was pretty strict, first saw Sub-Zero rip out somebody's head and spinal cord on Mortal Kombat as a finishing move, laughed her ass off. That is right. not real life. That is not a human being ripping somebody's head off. This is a cartoon. You just beat the crap out of somebody shooting flames out of your face. Like, it's, it was a very blatant separation to her, who was, was a strict parent. So it's, uh, but that's not what, before she saw it for her own two eyes, that is not what she thought. She was believing the, the hype. So it's, uh, man, you really did just strike a nerve with me because there are so many people that are probably going to be diagnosed as having game addictions who just yep. live healthy lives that are, are really into it. And maybe you could make some some overall changes, but are going to get labeled. Oh, yeah. It's it's a bad move on their part. Is there a way that you could... Are there a few things that you would personally suggest that people could do some self-checks? And to, because I'm drinking a beer, it's easy to make this example, but, like, if I don't have to drink, and every time I drink, 
I don't have to get drunk, I feel comfortable. I could be healthier. Mm -hmm. These are all just calories making me fatter, but um, it's that's a diet thing personally for me, not alcoholism because I don't I don't need booze. I would very happily drink a Lacroix water like you and, and enjoy ah, myself. Yes. So it's a that is my personal check for me. Might not work for everybody, but as long as I don't cross those lines, I I don't feel like I have a problem other than I'm getting a little fatter. So um, <laughs> are there are there checks like that that people can do where they can just say, all right, I just played all weekend long, like, am I okay? Yeah, I would definitely say that's probably an a, a okay thing. Um, I myself play video games, but I also have a lot of different areas. I have a family, I have a work, um, I run the, the work business, I write, I do books, I do articles, I edit things. I mean, it's there's a lot of things going on at any one time. Um, what the, the main thing of what we what we see that to determine between what's high engagement and what is addiction, and I'm using this very clearly because this is a line that is not being talked about. Um, is that with the high engagement is you can play video games or be online for six to eight hours a day as long as your other areas of life are a-okay. You have a family. You're paying attention to them. You're a family person. You go to the soccer games. You coach the team. You come home. You have dinner with them. And then once everyone goes to bed, you can go back on. Or if you guys have a date night, you go choose a date night over that. That's just a difference between what is high engagement and and what is actually kind of uh, what we've considered to be addictive. Um, the other one is what I've seen with working with uh, video gamers on this aspect is that the gaming is always secondary to a different condition, such as anxiety or depression. And that is a big, big thing that is also not being talked about. And it's a problem, um, huge, huge problem. Um, because if someone is depressed and they're using video games as a coping mechanism and it's working for them, then why are we saying that this is a, a bad thing? Um, if anything, we should be saying that, like, look, you found this. Now let's use the game in a more uh, what we'd call a different light in order to to really understand what is it giving you that we may need to just switch a couple things out here and there in other areas of life. So, um Maybe I'm just being dense about this, but what you just described seemed like you could replace video game with anything that you're doing as a focus in your life. Being working too pizza. much, too much projects, pizza. If whatever Football, is, if whatever reading. it is that you're doing is taking away from other things in your life that matter to you, or mm -hmm. the basics, you know, health. Are you paying your bills? Are you showing up at work? Like as long as whatever thing you're doing isn't taking away from other aspects of your life, it's mm -hmm. not really a negative effect, right? That's that's pretty much the idea behind it. So, as someone who who does heroin, there are what we call functioning alcoholics, function, functioning drug uh, addicts. Is if they go to job and they do this, and it's not affecting other areas, who are we to say that they are actually um, addicted and they're having difficulties with this stuff? Because that's a whole another slew of, of of issues that are kind of going on. And if us to say like, look, you're an addict, you need to go to a, a methadone clinic and get off of this stuff. That's us projecting our own stuff onto them. And versus, obviously, we're talking about some very high profile stuff here. Yeah. Um, but but at the same time, you the context of the situation always has to be taken into consideration. And a lot of these cases, it's not. You know, you you, uh, you broached a couple a couple of topics just now that uh, you know, if we had an infinite amount of time, I'd love to dig deep into. But to to put it back to a very acceptable uh, example, I've known many people in my life that are perfect, you know, good humans. That if they don't have their cup of coffee in the morning, they are grumpy. They don't want to work. They can't <laughs> focus. All they need is just one cup of coffee, maybe a second. 
Um, that's an addiction. That is the absolute definition of addiction. That is hurting nobody. It's hurting nobody. They're, you know, it's mm-hmm. not like they're they're spending their rent money on coffee, or it's not like you know they're they're waking up in a ditch because they couldn't find coffee. It's just a, a <laughs> that, normal that would be really funny to read that report. I'm not gonna lie. It'd <laughs> yeah, be hilarious, actually. Just you know, sitting there twitching, looking like a crackhead just because you couldn't get some Starbucks. But you know, if that's if that's the thing, if that's your need, I just and you could apply that to many of the things that you just mentioned. And I just, you know, while that is absolutely an addiction, that's there's nothing wrong with that. And I just, uh, I certainly, for somebody that loves to throw myself into projects and to do things, and mm-hmm. I'm not always good at it. I try really hard, but I very often end up neglecting other things, and I try to make up for it. And I just think if somebody works, you know, a five-day-a-week job, all their bills are paid, you know, if they're, if they're dating somebody, they pay enough attention to them so that they're happy, and then they go play video games from noon on Saturday until 5 p.m. on Sunday, and then catch up on sleep and go back to work, I can't, in my mind, whether it's right or wrong, I could never put that person in the box of somebody that has a problem, because it's just they're enjoying themselves and living a good life. Well, think about this is let's use your, your coffee addiction thing there um, as an example. Yeah, so you what you did is a, a very good example of what we call consider a top-down approach, right? Is where's the context of the situation? Why do, you, why do they need the coffee? Are they working, being overworked at work? Do they just do a late-night project? Have they been working on this project for three months that has required them to only have four or five hours of sleep? And the only way they can function is they have that caffeine boost. Mm-hmm. Is now and with that context, additional context, that's very minor context, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they really have an addiction or are they being overworked? Yeah. Or, so or, is that, it, or is it something that they've tricked themselves? You could swap mm-hmm. their coffee with a decaf, but it's the smell and the the, the yeah. ritual and the, just the, the warm cup of something. Maybe that's what triggers the you know the response in their brain. It's just this stuff really fascinates me. In case you couldn't tell, yeah. like I I listen to Absolutely. podcasts and read up about this stuff. I just you know it, I always love learning more about why I am the way I am and try to improve or. Or how to just accept certain things I'm okay with. Like, I don't mind being chubby, and I enjoy a stellar or two now and then, so fuck it. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's enjoy enjoy it. Life's meant to be enjoyed, not to be persecuted on. Yeah, that's yeah, an excellent, excellent statement. So um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to make sure to talk about? Um, there's... You know, I'm not uh, I'm not some big famous YouTuber. This isn't going to get a million hits, but a lot of the people that do listen are people with their own channels who mm-hmm. do have a lot of followers, and I'm very very proud of that because it means makes it uh, we make small differences on the retro RGB channel. Absolutely, so, um, this will uh, that, that's look, important. Yeah, small, this small will affect more people than just the, the the core listening group. So, is there other things that you want to get out? Other other you know, even the smallest little tips, self checks, anything that you could recommend. Um, if someone really thinks that they are having a, a problem and uh, they, they're checking themselves and they don't think it's necessarily high engagement, go to someone who's a specialist in this area. So there are tons of clinicians out there. There's master's level. There's doctoral level. I'm a doctoral level. You can't go any higher than me. Master's level aren't always they're, – they're not bad, but they're not always trained in the same level as what we are. Um, at the doctoral level, they don't have an understanding of what the theory is of what um, may actually be going. They don't always think outside the box, and they're not always sound of mind on their own scape. <laughs> I will let you know that from my experience of with them. Yeah. Uh, and so my my suggestion, if you have a concern, go to a doctoral level person, 
talk to them about this stuff, but also make sure that they're aware of the video game world. Because whereas I can talk video games with someone and really have the uh, a very long conversation, talk to uh, them about MMOs versus uh, are they a disc priest versus uh, a holy paladin. Um, <laughs> I mean, th- th- those are big things that I can talk to someone and I have another clinician in there or the mother or the, or the parent being like, I don't know what you just said but I can tell that they do. Therefore, this feels like this is already a good fit because mm-hmm. you can speak their language. That is what you're searching for. Not someone who's going to be like, well, you got to stop this. It's more of this is um, an interesting thing. Let's explore this a little bit more and not having uh, an idea on it that you are addicted to the, the problem. So that's uh, you brought up two things that are excellent. So first, find somebody that at least understands the concept of video games. I think if uh, if somebody's never seen a video game before and you talk about Mortal Kombat ripping somebody's skull off, they're going to think maybe you're a murderer, but mm-hmm. maybe you're just a silly person that likes silly Absol- cartoons. It's two Absolutely. completely different things. Uh, but the other thing, which is a much harder question, something that you and I aren't going to be able to solve in a podcast, is how do you find a doctor that's okay? Because I, the little poor kid, grew up on state medicine and was sent to many shitty doctors as a kid. Uh, just yes. general health, uh, never therapy as a kid. But, um, I mean, I had a dentist that just thought I was thought I was lying. Thought I just didn't want to go. And when I got to be adult age, you know, shoots in the Novocaine and the lady's like, I told her I was a big wimp and she hits me. I went, look, this hurts. She goes, that? that? Hold on a minute. And she taps on the other side of my mouth. She goes, do you feel that? No. Oh, you have weird nerves. Hold on a minute. Shoots the Novocaine on the other side of my mouth. Zero pain. All the dentists I went to my whole life thought I was a liar and just sat there and ripped my mouth open with no Novocaine. All it took was one person to just ask. And that has been my personal experience very often is like to find somebody that can just, that takes the time to listen or understands. Are there websites to go to? Is there like an Angie's List for doctors or something? Uh, there, so there's psychology today. However, mm-hmm. I, you, the main thing that you have to, to realize is um, people like I, I specialize in this. And so if I wanted to, to go out and charge people $300 an hour for my specialty, legally and within my rights, I could do that because this is a very specialized niche and I'm very good at what I do um, by – I can say that because of the past six years and everything else. Um, but on that level, we don't do that because I actually take all that state medicine down here in Texas. We're on Medicare, Medicaid. We're on all of the chip plans. We're on everything down here because we want to give back to the, to the community. This isn't something to go make lots of money on. As long as we were paid decently, we don't care. That's that's the beautiful thing. However, when someone is in the, the room across from us, having when we're having that conversation with them, when we talk to them about these things, we always end the sessions. Does this feel like a good fit? If it doesn't, we have other clinicians here that if you want to try one of them, great. There's no harm off our back. We sometimes clinician switch um, here and there. I started off with, uh, with a guy who was uh, 64 and having a really significant depression. And we, we got him to a stable, a stable uh, a point of, of contemplation, we'll call it. And then I switched him over to my wife. Um, because he needed something more than what I could do in that moment, and she kept him. She refuses to let him out because, and he really loves coming in and and doing these sessions now. And he realizes that 
you don't have to just go and see one person that there are multiple multiple people that are out there that do this and a good clinician a good clinic is going to be like you know what we've we've hit a plateau there's no it'd be more important for you to start on with this with someone new and so that's that's really kind of where it goes like we make sure that we have a cbts which is all the way to the far left all the way to to an analyst which is me um we have the full range of that and we switch and we see stuff like that for specialized areas that's our point that's our the whole plan of what we do and that's not i never looked at it that way i'm really glad you mentioned it because it's um you know there's different processes that you have to go through Mm -hmm. in this so well who might be right for step one might not be right for step two or step three and i'm kind of going through that now with physical therapy for my back because the people that got me back on track were amazing and then I started to get worse, so I had to find somebody else. And it's just, you know, it's sad because very often you don't get the people like you that says, hey, maybe mm-hmm. you should see my wife. You get the people that go, well, shit, I can't lose another patient. I can't, you know, pay my boat or something. So Right. But, uh, we Boats. <laughs> There's no point in having that soon. Um, <laughs> it's a whole well, other Especially thing. <laughs> depending what part of Texas you are, that'd be a little yeah. ridiculous anyway. But uh, Yeah. Um, the... It's the thing too, uh, you know, whether it's the stigma of mental health or whether it's the um, inability to let your guard down for whatever reason, we're, we're trained, you know, as Americans now at least to like, you know, if you, you break your arm, no one would hesitate to go to the doctor. But if you feel like you have an issue, it's, it's still scary to reach out. And mm-hmm. out of all the friends I've had that have used therapy for anything other like, yeah, I got stage fright once, but never before. Why did that happen? All the way to like, I think I have a really serious problem. Nine out of ten have great experiences, and the one did definitely scare me. And it, it, it wasn't until actually I had a friend of mine uh, whose mother got into hypnotherapy, who was just one of those people where the sound of her voice could, could put anybody into a trance anyway. Um, <laughs> and it was just for weight loss. Like, I wanted to, to quit my triggers. You know, am I hungry? No, so why do I have a cookie in my face? And it, it was very easy because I, I completely trusted her. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it, that was a good first step for me personally. But if I hadn't done that, I don't know if I would ever have seeked help anywhere for mental health because it's that one trust thing. Is there, is there like a, you know, is there a good first step? Like, do you just go in and say, Hey, like, uh, why don't, you know, could we work on something easy just to break the barrier down? Or is there like a good thing to come in and just start with? Like, I guess for a general practitioner, you would just say, can I go have a physical and then see how it goes? Like, right. And so my, actually what we, what I would suggest on that is any clinician that's worth your time is you call them on psychology today. They're going to return the call within 24 hours. We usually try to return it within four. That's, that's our goal. Unless it's after hours, then it's the next day. Mm -hmm. That's always been our goal. That always will be our goal. I take that brunt on because we like to make that personal connection. If it doesn't feel like it's a good fit, then it's not a good fit. There's no harm of that. We want people to be with someone who is a good fit. However, that doesn't always happen. And what ends up happening is they call in and they say, this is my problem. Do you think you can help? I'm like, we can always try to help us. I can't guarantee you anything. That's that's how it is. But we talk with the, the new patients probably about 10, 15 minutes over the phone. And uh, we we make sure that they feel comfortable doing this. That is a clinician um, that is worth trying to trying out with. Um, and if you after a couple sessions you don't feel like it's going anywhere, you don't feel like it's a good fit. They said something just didn't, that irked you. Then it's then you know what's it's, bring it on up. And so, and if they can't process it with you in that moment, they are not worth your time because any clinician should be able to process something with you in the moment, such as 
hey, I really don't like what you just said right there. And you're like, well, tell me more about that. What didn't you like about it? And that's that's how a clinician, a real clinician is going to handle it versus someone be like, well, I don't really care. That's I said what it, what I meant. Therefore, you can either hear or you cannot. Yeah. That's a defensive way. Um, and what are, uh, what is a good next step? And this is one of those like mental preparedness questions, like as mm-hmm. a general, like if you if that first phone call doesn't go the way you want it, whether it's your fault, their fault, nobody's fault. Sometimes people just don't get along. It's life. What is Absolutely. the if you feel like that's not a good fit? Is there like a great like okay? I'm going to, you know, politely hang up, you know, politely end the conversation, take a deep breath, and I'll wait a day, call again tomorrow, but I'll set an alarm for 11 a.m. so I don't blow it off. Is there, like, a some some kind of exercise you could do? Because it's so, so easy to get discouraged with that at all. Oh, absolutely. It's it, Trying to find the right person is like trying to find a good dentist. <laughs> it, it takes it takes some time sometimes, and I want someone who's willing to talk about these things. And so they, they really need to... Um, honestly most most clinicians and most clients will make the snap judgment within that first phone call if you go through a phone call and you don't like what you heard on the other end and you continue going to it you might want to reevaluate why you're doing something that when that first snap thing was like yeah i don't really like this person yeah Um, because that that definitely happened to me and it, it it uh luckily there was um i didn't all right so the the stage fright thing was me I'd never, I'd never liked public speaking, but I was never afraid of it. Played in bands, played in front of many people, given many talks in front of many mm-hmm. people. And one company told me to, you know, told me to go lie about something to sell more products. It's like, no, I, this is a group of people I know. I'm not going to do that. And they basically said, you're going to get fired if you don't. So I did, and I choked. I had like, I looked mm-hmm. like a first year student, like having a mini panic attack. And luckily, because I was a nerd, the people that didn't know me are just like, oh, he's an IT guy, he's not a sales, it's expected. But everybody that knew me was looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with Bob? And uh, so the next time I went to play a gig, it was going to be in front of like 300 people. So I found mm-hmm. um, a local hypnotherapist, because I do have a little, I've never been diagnosed, but I have some kind of attention disorder. And I find hypnotherapy to be like a guided way to just concentrate on somebody's voice and breathing and um, I found a local guy and he said, I told him the story. I said, I'm probably going to be fine, but I'm afraid that I'm going to get afraid. I'm not afraid of playing. I'm just afraid of what if that happens again? What if that wasn't a trigger? What if the lie wasn't the trigger? And, you know, could we do this? Could we, could we just try what I've done in the past that's worked for me? And he said, well, I'll be honest. I've only been doing this a year, but I don't think we should do any of that. We're going to do this and see what happens. I just, I almost got up and stormed out. I was like, did you not fucking, even if I'm wrong, can you give me one and then gird my trust to come back for a second? It's not like Mm -hmm. I'm hurting people. Just, you know, tell me to breathe and say nice things. Like, and it, uh, luckily the, the thing that happened to me really was the lie was the trigger. Um, Mm -hmm. and and I got up and played and it was fucking awesome to be honest with you. But, uh, that really bugged me. And I, I didn't, I, anytime I thought, um, any kind of mental health thing would, would help. I'd shied away for a long time since then just because it's like, I don't want to have to go spend $150 to have somebody treat me like that again. And mm-hmm. I know how dumb that is, by the way. As these words are coming out of my mouth, I realize the 9 out of 10 that I just said. I realize how many of my friends have had positive experiences. I just wish I had like a, a little exercise I could have done where it's like, okay, this guy was obviously a dick. They're not all like that. Let me go home, look up the next person in line, right. go to the thing. So is it really just uh, go to the, the website that you spoke about and maybe just find the next person close to you? 
Well, it could def- definitely be one of those things. You can call around and have a couple of different things going on. And and most of our clients, we're only one of the people that they call. Um, and if they, they like what they, we hear, they hear over the phone, then they come in. If not, then they might go to someone else. And that's perfectly fine. Um, that's one of the reasons why we have multiple clinicians. We're gonna be hiring another one because we are we're just so so busy, and we make sure that everyone is is appropriately ca- taken care of and cared for. That's that's our role and that's our goal. Um, and so it's super important for for everyone to to kind of realize that just because you don't get along with someone, and uh, two things on your things. One, it sounds like anxiety, not a not an attention issue. And two, it sounds like uh, that guy. Um, I would have encouraged you to uh, be like, no, I'm paying for this. Therefore, you're going to do what I want you to do. Otherwise, I'm just going to leave and you're not going to get paid. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if you if you say that it's at that point, it was over anyway. I had no respect for the guy. I couldn't trust mm-hmm. him. Um, but what you just said was the answer. Um, if you feel the need to, to reach out, just maybe set up two or three appointments and just pick. Mm-hmm whoever's your best and I, I would like to, I would hope that anybody in the mental health field just would completely be open to that because there's just you know my friends are my friends because those are the people that I love to be around it's not because they're better or worse than somebody else and it's got to be that way with doctors too some people you just click with some people you don't regardless of whether they're the best or the worst or whatever so mm-hmm. alright well that's a great great thing do more than one don't get discouraged if the first doesn't work out. I would probably now still see the second just as a comparative factor. I am a nerd, mm-hmm. so I do always you know, <laughs> compare and contrast, show your data. Like, you know, but all right, that's that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I mean, this was, I, I feel like we covered so much ground, and I hope that we touched upon enough of any every little factor that people could, people who are interested either just were entertained or knew they're jumping off points for where to go next. Mm-hmm. Um, I will put, obviously, all of your contact info down, as well as the group that you're parts of. Uh, mm-hmm. this, that's a nationwide group, right? Which one? The Telos Project? Uh, no, the... Um, the oh, Psychology Today. Psychology Today. There you go. That's yes. a U.S.-based group, right? Yes. Yes. Well, you can actually... It's it, You'll find one here you uh, based, but it's also in other areas. Like, U.K. has their own Psychology Today. It's because you, we, we pay to be on it, okay. therefore... It's not like someone can, someone who's not worth uh, their time or is not going to be on it. Because luckily, uh, people from all over the world watch this. So um, try for psychology today, or try to find something similar in your country if you don't have that. I guess, right? Absolutely. And if, let's say if they find a clinician and they don't know anything about video games, but they like the clinician, they can always order. I have my book come out in June, and it'll tell them enough to to start off with stuff. So you know, shameless plug. No. Boom. That's- that is the perfect. That is the perfect plug that you could have possibly put into this. Um, and do do clinicians offer Skype visits nowadays? So some insurance companies are actually um, offering. We call it telehealth therapy. So Cigna, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield all offer it now. Um, and so we can, it's just what we call when we bill it out through insurance is, is it needs a modifier code. Um, but they pay the same. There's no difference in it's for people who may be on vacation, but, or, or maybe let's say here in Texas. Yeah. I live in Texas and uh, my specialty is video gamers. And so if they live four hours away, they're not going to drive four hours to, to come on in, but they may want to do it. Gotcha. Because that's the thing that, uh, uh, you know, my shameless plug, I worked at a company that did telehealth for a while, and it was one of the things that they did that really, um, health in prisons. 
So mm -hmm. high quality doctors, specialists that were really, um, you know, the best of their class would donate and then they would have inmates that were injured and they would be able to diagnose them with an extremely high res camera and all that stuff. And it really just, um, you know, the, the prison doctors were great, but they're not, they don't have a specialist for every ailment in every prison. Right. So it was able to make a big difference using the tools that, and the technology. So I, I had only assumed that it was that way for mental health as well, but I didn't, I didn't realize um, that uh, certain insurance uh, programs might cover it or any of that stuff. Yes, yeah. uh, certain ones do. Not all of them do, but certain ones do. Um, and I'll, what I'll do is I'll send you the, the picture of my, my book as well the, so you can throw it on up there as, as well. I have a, a fun little picture right here that I took. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You know, I, I, I loved it, and I'm sure most people that watch it will as well. So um, I'll put all your contact info down below. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was great. Thank you. Absolutely. A lot of fun, as always. All right. Well, I'll, I will talk to you soon, and I'll see you guys next time. All right. Thank you.